From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. It's a fresh new podcast, Tuesday, uh, rather September 12, 2023. I'm Crash Connell. And Mary Danielson is back. How did the uh, Prophecy Conference go over the weekend? I was able to make the Sunday session with Chris Quintana. Yes, it went really well. I think that um, every year I notice a little bit more, because this is our 27th Prophecy Conference. Um, we had the first one in 1999. We had Chuck Missler and Dave Hunt. and Wow, it was just incredible. And now 27 years later, and we have just amazing guests. Um, I think that... The, the church in general is really getting weary. I mean, I've seen it, mm-hmm. and now I've really seen it. And I think what struck me the most was, you know, if you only have, you know, say you only have a few more Sundays in the pulpit or, or a few more months or weeks or a year with your children, what what do you want to impart to them? My, the urgency, I guess, is what struck me. Well, how, what how should we be living and how should we be thinking and, and what should our priorities be? And so. How was the mood? It seems yeah, like, uh, I thought so. over the years, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, there's been excitement, but it seems like more and more, kind of, I call them like zombies. It's just like now that we see it happening, it's kind of like a zombie yeah, state. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You really did. I, I felt that people are dragging a little bit more and I thought, how can we build up and encourage right, people? Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And so the uh, Prophecy Conference from Calvary Chapel in uh, Appleton, uh, hopefully it's going to be out on DVD soon. It will. It will be a little bit to process all that. So they can go to ccappleton.org and go to the conference page. And uh, on the right-hand side, there will be downloadable forms. You can order media that way. Got an exciting guest today for this fresh new yes. podcast. So let's get, let's get underway here. Yeah, we are so busy. Life is, life is crazy. Um, but God carries us even when it seems like we are in a free fall. Leo Holman is my guest this morning. I'm excited to chat with Leo um, first, today's scripture passage. Today is Psalm 84, 1 to 5. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yet, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars are Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Oh, Lord, please pray, please pray with, pray with me this morning. Lord, the day cannot come fast enough when we find ourselves safely tucked in with you in your habitation, Lord. Our soul does faint for you and your presence. But we have a glorious future, and no matter what we are facing today, we ask that you remind us daily that the end of all things is at hand. Thank you for your great and precious promises, and they are many. We lift up our guests today and ask that you protect, encourage, and refresh Leo in his labors for you. Thank you for his testimony. Thank you for his hard work over the years, and we ask that you would bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, again, like I said, Leo Holman is my guest this morning. He's a veteran investigative reporter and author. He's spent decades researching and writing about education, immigration, crime, politics, religion, his articles have appeared at Front Page Magazine, Life Site News, Zero Hedge, Drudge Report, Technocracy News, Canada Free Press, Global Research, The Gateway Pundit, 
WorldNet Daily, many, many others. Uh, he's been interviewed by dozens of local and national radio hosts, including Laura Ingram of Fox News, Daniel Horowitz of Conservative Review, Allison Steinberg of OAN, Larry Elder, Brandon House, Dr. Pe- Dr. Peter Bregan, George Norrie of Coast to Coast, uh, Jan Markell, many more. His mission has always been to fearlessly report truths about the great issues of our time and connect the dots wherever they may lead. He also seeks to report issues in historical context so his readers can grasp the greater meaning of today's news. There's your big picture, which I really appreciate. LeoHoman.com, L-E-O. H-O-H-M-A-N-N dot com. Leo, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth today. Hello, Mary. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on. Um, I'm a regular visitor to your page, and I really enjoy your thoughtful pieces. They do rise above a lot of voices out there. And I just want to jump in with your latest, because if you go to leohoman.com, you're going to find a lot of great articles. Um uh, the one I saw yesterday, at least. Uh, this is about the governor of New Mexico's dictatorial moves that I think caught Americans off guard. Maybe it should or should not have caught us off guard. Um, and your article just starts out briefly here. Anyone who complies with illegal unconstitutional edicts like the one just announced by New Mexico's governor is complicit in America's slide into totalitarianism. And you say this is a crucial test being launched by the globalists to see if us Sleepy Americans will hand over our Second Amendment rights um, by this ridiculous edict. Uh, what, Leo? What's her? What was her cons- uh, executive order? Um, what's really going on over there in New Mexico? Yeah, uh, this governor of New Mexico, Governor Grisham, she apparently has been a problem. Uh, so I've been hearing from people of New Mexico for quite some time. Mm. She comes from a, an oligarchical family there that's uh, wielded a lot of power in that state for a very long time. and uh, But this latest one, I think, um, sort of <laughs> is putting New Mexico on the map, so to speak. That's <laughs> one of those states that most of us don't think of very often. Uh, I bet if you ask the average American, they wouldn't know... The first thing about New Mexico, is it a red state? Is it a blue state? Is it a purple state? Um, who's the governor? What are you know politics and the culture there? Most people wouldn't know too much, uh, including myself, although I did know some of that. Um, but uh, th- this act by this government, this governor, it was an uh, executive order, okay? So it was not a law that was passed by the legislature or signed by the governor. It was just something she pulled out of thin air and said that she was going to suspend all carry permits in the city of Albuquerque and uh, surrounding counties for at least 30 days. So she's essentially said that, uh, it's going to be suspended. The Second Amendment, Mary, is going to be suspended in that state's biggest city and uh, surrounding counties due to recent um, high crime rates. And I believe there was an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old killed in a recent shooting. Um, and so she's piggybacking off of that tragedy to announce this edict. Um And what struck me about it, Mary, more than anything, was the language she used in her edict. She said that um, these recent shootings have created a, quote, public health emergency. 
in the state of New Mexico, and particularly Albuquerque. Now, for most people who don't read my website or a few others, that would go right over their head, and that would be a side issue that they would not even pay attention to. They would be focused entirely on, well, oh my goodness, she's suspending the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the language... Uh, uh, trying to say that that the shootings have created a health emergency. Well, that where does that language come from? It certainly does not come from Governor Grisham's own brain. Uh, I don't know that anything original has ever come from <laughs> Governor Grisham's own brain. Uh, she doesn't strike me as a particularly intelligent woman. Uh, but she does strike me as a globalist, mm-hmm. and I understand that she did attend the uh, most recent, or, or not the most recent, but I believe it was the second most recent uh, World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland. Um, back in January, I believe she was one of three or four governors who attended. Another one was my governor, Brian Kemp of Georgia, and uh, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. Um and uh, this is where governors, big city mayors, uh, business leaders, politicians go to get their orders uh, from the globalist World Economic Forum and its leader, Klaus Schwab, who himself is a, a protege of Henry Kissinger. Uh, he started the World Economic Forum in 19, I believe it was 71, uh, under the tutelage of uh, uh, Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State and big-time globalist, who's also a member of the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations. These are very, very uh, evil organizations who believe in global governance and continuously are pushing that, uh, that uh, uh, pushing us towards more global governance. It, it, they're, they're masters at mm-hmm. incrementalism, Mary. Yeah. Uh, it, it's over the last 60 years, 70 years, really since the end of World War II, and even before then, if you want to go to 1913 and the passage of the Federal Reserve Act, the passage of the um, uh, uh, federal income tax law, mm-hmm. these are all things that have uh, degraded the personal sovereignty, state sovereignty, and national sovereignty here in America. Uh, less freedom, basically, okay? Right. Uh, this has been a 125-year project. It is now in its final stages, so mm-hmm. it is moving, as we talked off-air briefly, it's moving very quickly, because when it comes to its final stages, uh, pe- that's when people finally start to wake up, like mm-hmm. the frog in the in the pot of mm-hmm. water. It's starting. It's been warming up gradually for a 100 and some years, but now it's getting kind of hot, and so people are starting to wake up in that frog pot, uh, and so they need to move quickly before the zombies wake up completely. Uh, because the one advantage we have over them is numbers. There is, you know, a million times more of us than they are, there are of these billionaire yeah. elites and their minions. Right. You know, if you took all of the billionaire elites and their minions, uh, who are the ones who do their bidding, you know, it, it's probably 1% of the, the overall population. Maybe a little bit more, you know, because the the size of government has just grown tremendously over the last 
even just 22 years since 9-11, you know, you look at the federal government and all the new agencies under, you know, the, the Department of Homeland Security is the biggest monstrosity of them all, and it's only 22 years old. Wow. Uh, before that, you had the Department of Energy, the Department of Education created just in the 70s, okay? And so all of these federal agencies have been weaponized. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later about how they're literally they've been figuratively weaponized for many many years decades but now they're being literally weaponized and we can talk about that later but because of all this people are starting to wake up and so uh you know they're having to move very fast to finish the deal to close the deal and make this a truly totalitarian state like china china is the model Okay, Mm -hmm. China is the model of the modern technocratic, techno-communist, techno-fascist, whatever you want to call it, state, where basically it's a surveillance state. And the government and its minions, and when I say that, I'm talking about large corporations uh, as well as government agencies, they're uh, tracking you everywhere you go, watching everything you buy, uh, creating tools to do that. You know, and that's why they're wanting to ban uh, cash money and bring in digital money and ban uh, or replace the plastic in your wallet, is, as I like to call it. That being your plastic card that is your driver's license, your plastic credit cards. All that will be placed with be replaced, Mary, with uh, a digital equivalent. Mm-hmm. The difference is that it's more difficult to track you when it's a physical plastic card as opposed to a digital computerized uh, uh, issuance. And uh, the two major tools are the digital ID and the digital money, both of which are very much in the works. Um, more than a 100 countries working on both of those as we speak. Uh, there's an announcement, it seems like, every other day by another nation saying that they're uh, getting ready to roll out their uh, central bank digital currency. And so once those two things are in place, there will be, that will be the end of freedom as we know it mm-hmm. in this country and every other country. Uh, because everything you buy, everywhere you go, that will all be tracked and it, that data will be uploaded in real time, okay? Uh, when you have a credit card... Yeah, there's data that there's tracks that you leave, leave behind, but it's not uh, uh, it is not accessible in real time like these digital uh, currencies will be, and along with the digital ID. So eventually, we're heading towards a B system where uh, uh, we can talk about that more later. But um, it will all be added to what's called a social credit scoring mm-hmm. system like they have in China. Mm-hmm. Yes. Leo Holman is our guest on Set Up for the Truth. I wanted to go back to what we were talking about, the uh, governor of New Mexico. Yeah, I read in Epic Times today, she said she has the right to suspend the Constitution because of a public. Yeah. And and we got to make that real clear to our listener that uh, yeah. that is illegal. She cannot that suspend the totally. Constitution. Cannot do that. She has... There's no rights, health emergencies, anything like that. She cannot, a state cannot right, right. Yes. suspend a national constitution. She's using the language of the World Health yep. Organization. Yep. Mm-hmm. The World Health Organization, and, and I, I, to this day, still don't see many other people picking up on that besides myself. Uh, 
when you when you're I predicted this last year, a year more than a year ago, when the World Health Organization started talking about um, their new pandemic treaty and their new amendments to the international health re- regulations, which have been in place for many decades, they're talking about the the WHO will be able to declare a public health emergency of international concern or of regional concern. And when they do that, they will be able to dictate the response as opposed to national governments. And so it is a move towards that global governance. And that's why uh, it was a big red flag when I saw Governor Grisham use that language from the U.N. World Health Organization saying that she had detected there was a public health emergency being caused by uh, gun violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had predicted uh, more than a year ago in, in several articles that this was the this was the goal, that it was about more than just virus, virus pandemics, that they could apply that vague language of a public health emergency to almost anything and uh, and then dictate a response uh, going above and beyond uh, and outside of the bounds of the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what she's doing. Uh, it is completely illegal, completely unconstitutional. But the good news is, in my article Saturday, I suggested that this was a pivotal moment and the people of New Mexico needed to do something to stand up and resist. Uh, and, and the only thing I could think of, I mean, I could be wrong, but the most obvious thing to me seemed to be to resist this edict would be to go out in public with your uh, open carrying open, by open carrying your sidearm. That's exactly hand. what you do. I'm not breaking any laws. Yeah, and right. so I, I, you can't enforce this. Have a nice and day. That's exactly what they did on Sunday, a day after my article. Oh. I was so proud of the people of New Mexico. Uh, a large group of them gathered in a park in Albuquerque uh, with uh, with their firearm. Mm-hmm. And basically said, "Come and take it," uh, mm. you know. And, and there was no police presence there, to my knowledge, uh, arresting anyone. And so this yeah. is what you need to do when a governor goes uh, completely rogue and uh, makes an unconstitutional edict like this. You have to resist it, and you need to do it publicly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to mock it in a sense. Right, and, and that's the, what they seem to be doing. Well, and the Republicans uh, in New Mexico are going to, I guess, start the impeachment process. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I, I have. Um, I, I saw one interviewed this morning. One of the state representatives, a uh, young man, I don't remember his name, but uh, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, there's also been. Uh, the sheriff, one of the local sheriffs, I don't remember if it was Albuquerque or the the other county that this applies to, this edict, but he said, you know, basically, we're not going to uh, enforce this edict. And so that's another positive sign. Sheriffs are critical, critical. They are like the last line of defense Mm -hmm. uh, against tyranny in this country. That is the way our Constitution is set up. Unfortunately, the vast majority of sheriffs are no good. Uh, but there is, there is, I would say, a large minority. Uh, I would I would classify it as that. It's not a small minority. A large, but they are a minority. Large minority of sheriffs 
who who seem like they will take a stand okay. uh, against this sort of tyranny. That's good. That is good to know. And I don't know if if it's going to bring rise to more militias and and that, but I do think that they are trying to divide and conquer. They want to see who's going to respond. Um, and get people against each other. I mean, they're just trying to stir the pot on every single level. Leo, very, very you are interesting. So right. Yeah. Very, very I mean, interesting. Yeah. The, the, the two things I see the globalists continuously trying to drive forward is division and distraction. Mm-hmm. Divide and distract. Yep. Uh, because when you keep the people divided, uh, and distracted on side issues, uh, number one, the focus is off of them. You know, we look at each other. You know, if we're liberal, we look at the conservative Americans. If we're conservative Americans, we look at the liberal Americans as the enemy. Uh, that's why, you know, I, I don't like to get into the partisan politics, the Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Uh, no, I don't agree with a thing that those people stand for. But do I want to get into a war, a shooting war with them? No, because they are useful idiots they are not the tip of the spear of the enemy that we face Mm -hmm. uh and so i i i would implore americans conservative americans to look beyond what you see on the evening news whenever they have uh you know riots in the big cities it's easy to uh try to hate those people and uh you know keep your focus on them that's what the globalists want us to do because these are nothing more than useful idiots mm-hmm. who are being uh, most of the time paid to get out in the streets and cause up, cause a ruckus, uh, destroy buildings, uh, and loot build loot businesses. Uh, this keeps us distracted, and it keeps our eyes off of the real enemy, which yeah. is the oligarchs, the elite, and their their bureaucratic minions in state agencies, federal agencies as well as large corporations. Wow, very, very interesting. Leo, I want to switch gears a little bit here. Uh, I want to talk about the beast system, and you alluded to it a little bit early on about the end game and becoming more like China, which we are, of course. Uh, you have an article here, and uh, the beast system is here, leohoman.com. Um, Hollywood's been trying for decades to see into the future, you know, and present us with drama that'll be cutting-edge tech and technically, you know, you look back at an old movie and they don't even have cell phones yet, but yet they continue to try and see into the future aliens, transhumanism, post-apocalyptic everything. And then if you throw in a global economy, the enslavement really, really is complete. Um, you have a great little piece in here. I, I chuckled at this, I gotta tell you. Uh, it's, it's, um, 12 things that indicate you may already be a post-human globalist lemming. And this is the quiz. And I just want to go through these before the break. And when we come back from the break, we can talk about these things. I really enjoy this. So you may already be a post-human globalist. Number one, do you stand on the X? In other words, do you stand where you're told in the grocery store? Two, do you max on, do you mask on demand? Three, do you vax on demand? Four, do you believe a college education is still the best way to get ahead in life? Number five, do you take every drug your doctor prescribes without questioning the side effects and performing your own independent research? Number six, would you ever consider leasing a plug-and-go car as your primary mode of transportation? Number seven, do you believe cash is dirty, germy, or inconvenient, something to be avoided whenever possible? Number eight, do you consider foreign travel as an essential component of a healthy lifestyle? 
Number nine, do you need to live in a city to be happy? Careful of those cities. Number 10, do you believe eating meat is dangerous to the environment? Number 11, would you rather shop, worship, and pursue friendships online rather than in person? And number 12, do you consider roadblocks, tracking devices, digital ID checks, surveillance cameras, and facial recognition a normal, even beneficial aspect of modern society? And then you say three or more positive answers. You may be ready to own nothing and be happy. (laughs) These are, these are such, this is such a great list, but I think we wouldn't have asked any of these questions back in 2019. This list, you know, we'd have scratched our heads and gone, what, what are you talking about? But now the world has changed so radically. Our lives have changed that our expectations have changed and lowered. Um, so Leo, um, three or more positive answers. That's a little bit scary. Um, take us, take us through this beast system here and uh, my dinner with Andre. That, what a great clip that was. Yeah, my dinner with Andre, I encourage everybody to go to this article and watch that three minute clip because it starts out. It, with, you know, uh, modern society has created uh, a, a genre of human being that easily gets bored. And if you easily get bored, the chances are you're not awake to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And a person that he says who's not awake has trouble saying no. Mm. Uh, you're just going to say yes, yes, yes to every new uh, dictatorial edict that comes down the line, whether it be from a COVID crisis or a climate crisis, or whatever the crisis of the day is, you're not going to resist the uh, the response, the, e- the the dictatorial edicts that come as a result. Uh, uh, yeah, so going down the list, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the first one's obvious, stand on the X. We saw that during COVID <laughs> yes. at all of the retail stores, the big box stores mostly, that were allowed to stay open while all of the, quote, non-essential businesses were locked down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same with the uh, the masking up. I mean, uh, my wife and I were just talking today, this morning, about, you know, we wonder with the mask mandates come back, how many people will comply this time? Last time, it seemed like it was at least 98% in the stores we went into, you know, grocery stores and what have you, uh, of people who would comply with these mask mandates simply because there was a sign on the door. There was no real enforcement of it. Uh, very few stores, at least in, in Georgia where we are, would kick you out if you didn't obey the mandate. Mm-hmm. Um, we did encounter one or two, but most of them, they just did their duty by putting the sign up on the front door, and then it was, uh, you know, no, no actual enforcement. Um, but nobody tested that, see? Mm-hmm. Everybody, through peer pressure, it was amazing how they reacted in lockstep, the the public. Uh, 98% of them, with no actual enforcement, put that mask on when I guarantee you at least half of them knew the mask didn't work and didn't like it. But they put it on anyway. Now, there are true believers who actually are, are so fearful and they believe that mask was protecting them. Mm-hmm. But, but at least the other half, you know, of people I talked to, um, they knew it didn't work. They knew it was uh, uh, hogwash uh, being fed to them by the government and the media, but they put it on anyway because of the peer pressure, and di- they didn't want to stand out as a resistor. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is even more scary than the person who actually believes the lies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. And so the next thing, you know, uh, the shots. Yeah. I, I said early on that the mask was the test for the shot. If the vast majority of people fell in line with these mask mandates, which they did, uh, that that told the elites that they could now roll out shot mandates. Uh, actually require people to get an injection of an unknown experimental genetic vaccine. First time ever. This is not just another vaccine. It's the first of its kind, meaning it was a genetic vaccine uh, offered by uh, two companies that were in league with the government, the federal government. One of them was actually Moderna had uh, the co-patent holder was HHS. Uh, Department of the Federal Government. Yes, I heard that. Yep. So, yeah, and, and and then they paid the media, they paid the uh, corporations uh, to uh, promote it, to roll it out, to give incentives for people to take it, and then they switched from the carrot to the stick. Uh, they stopped with the incentives, and then they started uh, rolling out the threats. You know, we're going to fire you from your job if you don't take it, and this type of thing. We're not going to give you the proper health care if you don't take it. These were all major red flags that any awake person would have imme- would have immediately recognized as sinister. Number one red flag is if it's free. Anything the government wants to give you for free, you should have a very, very skeptical attitude towards. But Yes, uh, Leo, I'm asking you to hold that thought. We have to take a break here, a two-minute break, and uh, we are going to come back with more from Leo Holman. We're going to talk about mask mandates, uh, the beast system. I want to talk about something that came out this weekend uh, from Yale. Yale researchers are developing a nasal spray for mRNA. I'm telling you, it gets more insidious as we go. I also wonder about masks. When we clearly said we don't want to wear them, they are going to um, try again. So, um, standupforthetruth.com. Visit, visit that site for some real helpful content. And we will be back in uh, two minutes. Stay with us. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson, and we're with Leo Holman today. Uh, LeoHoman.com, and it's H-O-H-M-A-N-N. I, I really do recommend that website for some real thoughtful articles. I was uh, on social media this last week, and I oh, I like to bring a little lightheartedness to some of this because we will lose our minds otherwise, but I think it's always appropriate to appropriate Dr. Seuss for the answers to the absurdities of life. And there's a meme out there where it has a picture of the cat in the hat, and it's talking about masks, and he's, and it says... I will not wear it on my face. I will not wear it any place. I will not wear it to get in. I will not wear it on my chin. I will not wear it on my ear. I will not wear it out of fear. I will not wear your stupid mask. I will not wear it. Do not ask. So, <laughs> if you grew up with uh, Dr. Seuss, you get a, get a smile out of that. Leo, I want to move over to um, uh, the article that you did release uh, called There Are Too Many Pigs in the Parlor. Western Civilization is Sick and Dying. Is It Too Late? For deliverance. And in that article, uh, you mentioned a gal named Natalie Winters, and she talks about the federal government has begun buying COVID-19 equipment and contracting with private consultants to enforce pandemic-era safety protocols. And I guess, Leo, that's due to kick off soon here. I mean, things are moving very quickly, as we talked about in the beginning. But what does Natalie know that we need to know? What do you know about what she uh, talks about these contracts? Well, yeah, uh 
it was about a month ago that Alex Jones reported that he had talked with a, uh, a TSA agent um, anonymously. They, they didn't want to, couldn't give his name, obviously, or the person would have been fired. But this TSA agent told Alex Jones that the government was gearing up for a new round of uh, mandates and eventually a lockdown. Um, and that it would start around mid-September and that by November there would be, they would be back to full mask mandates, um, you know, on airlines and what have you. Um, and, uh, that was all well and good and it, and I, I believe that person was telling Alex the truth, but Natalie Winters took it to the next step and she actually went and found contracts that the uh, Department of Defense and other government agencies, uh, and that's another thing people need to understand, by the way, that this whole thing is a military psychological operation. It's mostly being run uh, by military people. Uh, the politicians are just the stooges um, carrying out the, the acts of, of military intelligence operation, meaning the DOD, the CIA, the the intelligence uh, NSA, the intelligence agencies, they're the, the ones running this this thing. Uh, and Natalie found that the DOD and, uh, and some other government agencies had contracts with private firms starting in mid-September and running all the way through 2028 wow. to uh, uh, come up with and enforce COVID health and safety regulations. Um, and so she basically came back with the receipts proving that what this TSA agent told Alex was every bit true and maybe even more sinister, uh, if it truly does go all the way through 2028. Wow. That's incredible. And okay, I think they're planning, obviously, uh, what do you think about lockdowns during that time? Because Fauci said, um, you know, lockdowns are not a permanent solution. We can lock you down temporarily until until everybody gets vaccinated or, you know, has that mRNA um, uh, nasal spray or aerosol or whatever. I mean, it just seems like they're backing us into a corner. Doesn't it seem that way to you? It does. Um, The only hopeful thing uh, to me is that in the last round, 30% of adults age 18 and up in America did did not... um, capitulate to the demands, to the uh, propaganda of get the shot, get the shot, it's safe and effective, it's safe and effective, it's safe and effective. I mean, it was the biggest propaganda campaign campaign rolled out in world history, uh, best I can tell. Uh, it was literally coming at us from every angle. The churches were telling, the media mm-hmm. was telling it. You go into the store and the store is telling you, the radio's telling you, the TV's telling you, the social media's t- all telling you to get the shot. Um and, and yet 30% of adults in this country somehow had the uh, fortitude to resist that. Um, it wasn't that high in many other countries. Uh, like uh, in the U.K., I believe it was only 5%, 5 to 7% of, of adults resisted. Hmm. Um, and some countries had, you know, as little as 5%, 3% of resistors. I mean, it was nearly complete. And so uh, we do still have, uh, I'd like to talk about the rule of thirds. 
Okay. And it really applies well to America. You know, you've got one-third of the population that is complete and utter zombies. They will literally do whatever Joe Biden or one of his spokespersons tell them. Uh, you've got another third that is, uh, you know, always just sort of riding the fence. You know, they're going to look around and see what the others are doing, and they're going to base their uh, decision on the uh, the herd. What is the herd going to do? And whichever direction the herd goes, whatever I think is going to be the winning side in this controversial thing, I'm going to take that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the final third, which are the resistors, you know, the hardcore resistors, like the people who refuse to get this injection. Um, that's the, that, is, that is America today. Uh, but a lot of countries, you know, it's more like the rule of fourths or maybe even the rule of eighths, you know, you know, where you might not just have an eighth of the population that is awake and knows what's going on and has the fortitude to resist. So we are blessed in this country that we have more resistors than most countries. However, I think we need to uh, come to the next stage and say, okay, we, we know that everything the government is telling us to do is evil and, and full of lies and half-truths and, and deceptions, mm-hmm. but what are we going to do about it, and how can we organize ourselves to uh, really make a difference? Yes, and you have, you have in mind a way that we can... Um uh, resist a lot of this because you say uh, here in one of your articles, as long as we comply with mask mandates, we are signaling our tacit permission for them to rule over us. I mean, it starts small, right? I mean, you you have um, something you would like to encourage people to do to resist, correct? Uh, yeah, I call it Operation Peaceful Noncompliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, that's what we saw Sunday in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They were completely peaceful. They were out there with their guns. Uh, nobody was drawing their guns or doing anything the least bit threatening. Um, and the only reason they had their guns was to make the point because that was what they were resisting. But if it was the mask mandate, then you, you go out without a mask. I mean, um, you, you do it peacefully. This is, what, this is what made the civil rights movement so successful back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. They would do these mass sit-ins. You know, they would. The left is really good at this. You know, the right has trouble with this. We we'd like to be law seen as law-abiding, and I think that is our great downfall. You Mm -hmm. know, Romans thirteen talks about obey the government, uh, but if you read the entire context of that scripture, it's only when the government is operating within its biblical bounds, its boundaries, that we are to obey it. Uh, the minute that government walks outside of its bounds and and takes uh, and starts making laws that are against the higher authorities' laws, the the laws of nature and of nature's God, then we are to resist it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why there have been martyrs down through the ages of Christian believers because the government was trying to get them to do things uh, through the color of law that they knew were against God's law and God's commandments. Um, so this is what this is where American Christians, Western Christians in particular, I think, fall short. Mm-hmm. We're we're way too obedient to illegitimate, dictatorial, rogue governments. 
Yes. Yes. Leo, do you think that, you know, this is a good test for the church as well, because the church, you know, really did not pass the test this time around. The first time it seemed as though they didn't even understand what the church was in existence for. Now, if this is if this is round two of same old, same old, same song, second verse, do you think the churches will pass the test this time and stand firm and stay open and be uh, those lighthouses that we need to be? I think maybe more of them will, but I still don't think it will be the majority. Um, and, and but but so what do we do? We do what the same peaceful non-compliance. Yeah. We don't go to those churches. Yeah, we don't donate to the to those churches. Um, you know, if you have to back out of church for a while until you can find one that uh, <clears throat> is a, has a little bit more of a spiritual backbone and is willing to make the uh, the hard choices. Then, uh, then so be it. I would advise people to do that. That's just my opinion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's how I feel. That's yes. exactly how I feel. I'm not going to give my money or my attendance to a church that is going to shut its doors at, a, at the very time when it is going to be more needed than ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look through history, the Christian church, they were the ones who started the first hospitals in Western civilization. They were the ones who ministered to the sick. They were the. They even went out, you know, in pandemics and, and dangerous uh, conditions and treated people. Uh, they were not always so concerned, like the uh, unbelievers, about whether they would get sick and die, because they knew that it was um, the teachings of Christ that you help the less fortunate, you help the sick, you visit the prisoner. You know, these are all basic Christian tenets. And if you're willing to shut that down for a virus that had a less than 1% death rate, uh, you know, what kind of a Christian really are you? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the technocracy marches on, um, and we are, we're just human beings in the middle of it, but we really need to pray for one another, pray for one another, and seek wisdom from the Lord, and uh, seek to uh, build up and edify the church, as I said at the beginning. Uh, Leo, you got some, this is Mary Danielson, by the way, we're on Stand Up for the Truth with Leo Homan, leohoman.com. Leo is an investigative reporter of many, many years, and we sure appreciate his wisdom. A couple of uh, loose ends here, Leo, I wanted to just talk to you real quickly about. You have here this uh, this robo-dog that was unleashed, uh, NFL season started this last weekend. NFL Stadium unleashes RoboDog security robot armed with night vision and facial recognition software. Stadium owners say our fans just love it. So in Atlanta, down by you, um, they recently welcomed the introduction of Benzie the Drone Dog uh, to patrol the stadium and keep an eye on the fans. It will monitor 11 acres around the stadium and uploading real-time video of everyone and every everything. It sees night vision capabilities. It can read license plates, sniff for explosions, but Leo... Is he armed at this point? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Um, but I think that's coming. Wow. Uh, this is just uh, one way that AI and um, technology is replacing human beings instead of, uh, <clears throat> you know, armed security guards at some point. You will see these uh, robots. And I find it interesting, you know, uh, that they chose the dog to have a mechanized dog. They could have used any sort of, um, 
being, but they chose the dog to, to, to replicate in this mechanical and, and, and computerized form with all of these capabilities, you know, man, the dog is seen as what? Man's best friend. <laughs> right. And here you have the elites taking that concept of the dog and turning it against man or human being. Wow. He is now the one who's armed with facial recognition uh, software and uh, all other sorts of capabilities to track you and to keep you in line. Uh, this is the sort it's sort of antithetical to, uh, you know, the, the, the nice, cute little dog that you would have uh, uh, roaming around your property at home. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, this is a trend. It's not just Atlanta. Uh, Major League Baseball, I had an article uh, uh, a few weeks back. There are three stadiums operating in Major League Baseball that are using uh, – uh, facial recognition software for people who enter the stadium. They say it's voluntary. You know, you can take this digital ID and um, you upload you upload some biometric data is what it is to an app on your phone, and now they have your face scan. And so when you show up at the ballpark, you don't have to show ID or or even a I don't even think a ticket. I mean, they'll know who you are as soon as you enter the gates and. Uh, uh, see, the problem here is that they play on our fears. We've already talked about that. But they also play on our, uh, our, our quest for convenience, our, our thirst for convenience, our insatiable appetite for technology that will make things easier and more convenient for us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, they either say it's going to make you safer or more secure or it's going to make it more convenient. Those are the three buzzwords mm-hmm. that all of these purveyors of this uh, technology use. And you see it at the at the uh, entertainment level, especially, you know, concert halls, baseball, football, basketball stadiums. They're all going to be going to this. Major League Baseball only has three stadiums doing it right now, but they said next year it's going to be more than double that amount. Uh, every year they're going to add more. They're totally into this. Uh, and and it is, we are moving towards an AI-controlled world yes. um, where you will need a digital ID to function in life. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it's going to go even more sinister, and you will need a digital ID to, to buy or sell yeah. anything in the marketplace. Well, we also have them in all – some of the – you can just go online and see them in the high-end stores where they say you cannot enter unless you look at the camera. Wow. So if you refuse to look at the wow. camera, you can't even enter. The, the double doors will not open in the high-end stores. You can go see them on, on, online. You can wow. see these videos. Well, and Evolve is the company that is, is uh, bringing this about. And you say here, do you ever wonder that with so many tech firms out there like Evolve bragging about how they keep us safe and secure, why does the world never get safer or more secure? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, people should ask themselves basic questions like mm-hmm. that. But see, here's the problem. Our education system has been dumbing people down for generations. Mm -hmm. Uh, The public education system, as envisioned by John Dewey and and some of the other fathers of public education, uh, was to train people in the way that you want them to be trained, rather than truly, we don't really educate people. When you, true education, true education teaches people how to think critically. Uh, how to ask 
logical questions, uh, how to think logically. Um, all of these these traits, these talents, are no longer being taught in the education, public education system, and in many of the private parochial schools either. And so you end up with a generation of people who don't think things through. They just look at everything, in, you know, in a vacuum. They don't connect dots. Okay, if, if, if they're telling me this could do this here, how would that relate to something over there? Um, they don't think that way. And so uh, they're so easily controlled. Um, and this is a problem. Uh, this is a big problem. Yes, it absolutely is. And context is king, whether you're studying the Bible or studying history. You know, nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything builds on something else. You also mentioned here New York City used drones to spy on residents holding large parties over Labor Day weekend. And city police departments are engaging in pre-crime analysis where they use surveillance cameras to try and apprehend people suspected of planning to commit a crime. I mean, that sounds like Hollywood. Oh, wait, they did do that. Um, and it's just... You know, speaking of yeah, New York, I that was a Tom Cruise movie. I yeah, guess. it was. Uh, uh, when you said that, I thought of it. Minority, minority Report. Report. That was Minority, minority, report. minority yeah. report. Awesome yeah. movie. Well, and look at New York City. They are they are so burdened under the weight of uh, illegal immigrants. And same with Massachusetts. Massachusetts has a law, the only state in the union that says if you're a family and you have children, you are entitled to housing. Period. Well, no state can sustain that. And New York City, if we're talking tens of thousands of immigrants a week, these sanctuary cities, I mean, you and I could have said what could possibly go wrong, but apparently the blue, blue states don't understand what could possibly go wrong. What's going to happen to New York City, Leo? It just seems like um, they're done. They're housing people at the airport. Yeah, well, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, came out just a few days ago and was very frank and very blunt and saying, <laughs> you know what, if this if this inflow of migrants, you know, he calls them migrants, I call them illegal aliens, mm-hmm. but if this inflow of migrants does not stop where they're getting like 10,000 uh, a week or a mm-hmm. month, I don't remember the I figure. I think it was a week. Coming, I, yeah. Yeah, coming into New York City. If that doesn't stop, he said New York City will be destroyed. Wow. The, this will destroy everything. Uh, that is good about our city, he said, uh, because you cannot uh, sustain that. That is not a sustainable uh, system. They don't have the school capacity. They don't have the housing capacity. Uh, they don't. They can't afford to. Uh, you know, that's the thing. These illegal migrants that are uh, coming in over the border, they can immediately sign up for different uh, welfare programs. The the biggest one that most people seem to overlook is the schools, the school system. Right. Right. Um, there's a law we have on the books, a federal law, that no child can be turned away from public schools. <laughs> well, that includes the children of illegal aliens. Um, and so a lot of school districts, I know mine here in Georgia, they're always building new schools. And you wonder why, because the birth rate in America is like the lowest it's ever been right. in history. Right. You know, so... so <clears throat> If, if we're not uh, having new, if we're not spawning children, uh, where is all these? Where why are we continuously having to build bigger schools and more schools? Well, it's the influx of illegal aliens. You are paying to build uh, more school space and hire more teachers to educate these children that shouldn't have been here in the first place because mm. their parents brought them over the border or the parents or in many cases not even their parents 
uh, uh, human smugglers, bring them over the border illegally. And then where they're using our tax dollars, not only to school them, but then you need more hospital space because, what, children and people get sick. You need more jail space. You need to be mm. new, build more and bigger jails because a lot of them break laws. Right. Um, and it, you can just go right down the line. It is a burden on any any uh, system, any culture uh, that is not sustainable. And so, uh, no no serious country would allow this. No, you don't see right. Russia allowing this. Right. You don't see China allow opening their borders and allowing this. It's only the Western countries. Isn't that interesting? It is really Western interesting. Western Europe, the U.S., Canada, uh, Australia, uh, they're the ones embarked upon this suicide wow. mission. Wow. Leo, we only have a couple minutes left, and uh, um, your book, Stealth Invasion 2, was about illegal immigration. And, boy, I bet you you, you wrote that several years ago, but if you were to you know, possibly add to that. I'm sure you could think of a lot of things to put in there now that you did not see coming. But I do want to ask you, we just have a couple minutes, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Is there anything you want to tell the church to to uh, gird up their loins for? Or anything that needs to be, uh, anything you'd like to add? Well, I think uh, if, if I'm talking to the church, I would say this. Uh, reread Matthew 24. If you haven't read it, read it. If you've read mm. it, read it again. Because it really lays things out for the end times, which I do believe we are entering the end of the end times. Yes. You know, uh, I, I do believe we're entering that critical stage, and uh, it seems to be the most clear, most chronological uh, uh, description of the way things will unfold. Matthew twenty-four, and and the takeaways I get from that. Uh, there's there's a lot of them, but but if, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to mention a couple that there's going to be massive deception and a lot of persecution mm -hmm. of believers. So you need to prepare yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually for those two things, deception and persecution. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's going to get real serious real soon. And as I open the podcast, you know, with a lot, of, there's a lot of weariness out there. People are tuning out, and I think... Um, now is not the time to tune out, but to really... No, I, in fact, I think anyone who tunes out now is probably going to not pass the test. Mm. Everyone's going to have their faith tested yes. in the mo months and years to come. Agreed. So if you're already wimping out before it even gets really tough, then how are you going to stand yeah. when it gets much wow. worse? Wow, that is such really, really good advice. And that's a stern warning, and people, I think people need to hear it. And Leo, thank you so much. LeoHoman.com. Um, really, really, really enjoyed talking to you today. Love to do it again sometime. Leo, where, her, how can people find you out there? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Uh, LeoHoman.com is my main site, L-E-O-H-O-H-M-A-N-N. And then I also uh, have a Substack account, uh, LeoHoman.Substack.com. Uh, and I'm also on Telegram. Mm. You can find me there, okay. uh, Leo Homan, author slash journalist. Great. Thank you so much, Leo. Lord bless you and all your labors for the Lord. Again, visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. There's a lot of helpful content on there. You can order gear, shirts, caps, and mugs. There are resources, upcoming guest lists, previous guests, and you can see who we've talked to. 
Subscribe to the weekly podcast digest uh, there also and donate. You know, we are listener supported and we sure do appreciate all of our listeners and all of our donors. Uh, Thursday, Jason Jimenez of Stand Strong Ministries. Friday, Rebecca Kiesling. What a story she has. So that sort of wraps up another podcast. We're half into September already. Isn't that amazing? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Have a great day on purpose.